Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Cindy Burnett. And my name is Dr. Matthew Wurwood. This is the Fueling Creativity in Education podcast. On this show, we'll be talking about creativity topics and how they apply to the field of education. We'll be speaking with scholars, educators, and resident experts about their work, challenges they face, and digging deeper into new and varying perspectives of creativity. All with the goal to help fuel the more rich and informed discussion that provides teachers and parents with knowledge they can use at home or in the classroom. So let's begin. Hello and welcome back to our third episode in our first ever Listen and Learn Summer Series. Now as a reminder, this summer, summer 2023, we will be sharing 10 actions that teachers can take to help facilitate or enhance creativity in the classroom. These 10 actions emerge from over 200 tips that we've gathered during our podcast interviews with creativity researchers, practitioners, and talented educators. Now, during each episode of our Listen and Learn Summer Series, we will share one action and encourage you to generate a one or two sentence summary of how you can apply that action in your classroom during the upcoming school year. To help you with this task, we've created a Google spreadsheet that lists the action, includes some key takeaways from Matt and myself, and a space for you to include your one or two sentence summary. The link to this spreadsheet is included in each episode's description. Additionally, if you want to join me in an online discussion, check out the creativethinkingnetwork.com, where I will be debriefing each of these tips each week. So our action for episode three is be open. And our first interview clip comes from our discussion with creativity researcher and now popular author, Scott Barry Kaufman. Be open to new ports that you might be wanting to sail to throughout the course of your semester. Encourage dissent in your classroom, uh, respectful dissent and model openness. Ah, encourage dissent. What do you think of that? Well, I think dissent in this context is potentially part and parcel of not always having a dedicated port to which you're sailing to. It's the concept of what Dr. Joan Renzulli had referenced in our uh, first episode of this Summer summer and Learn series, you know, where he said no predetermined answer. And so the problem is if you kind of know what port you're heading toward and you've identified the predetermined answer or response or outcome that you want from the activity and someone challenges that, then it can be interpreted as dissent. And I think that that if, we've, if we're too constrained, if we've got that, that really kind of like determined port where we're going to land, then we are to a certain extent creating a situation where we may get dissent. And if we push back on that dissent, we are in essence saying, no, there's one single right answer and you're challenging that single right answer. And I think that's where we get ourselves into problem in education. I agree, Matt. And I think dissent is very challenging for educators because you don't want students to go against what you're saying or challenge the existing things that you're teaching. But I think it's a really important skill to have. And I think it goes back into, you know, respectful debate and being able to debate concepts that you're teaching and talk about the different perspectives and to stretch your mind and ask questions going back to the curiosity piece, which I think being open and curious are, are two skills that go hand in hand. Because if you're open, then you can then get curious and start to ask questions. 
You know what I like about that is is the word respect and connecting it to dissent, I think is an important thing for us just to spend some time talking about because I am okay when students challenge me in my classroom, whether they think they should have a higher grade, whether they're not happy with an assignment or framework that I've created for a project. I'm really receptive to them pushing back. But I also, I want the conversation to be conducted in a respectful way and to connect it to being open. I'm open to that dissent so long as it's a two-way discussion. You know, I'm going to listen to what you're saying. I'm going to work hard and be open to your perspective. But I also need you to be open to my perspective. Right. And I think that's that kind of like respectful debate that you're talking about. And mm-hmm. I, and what you're making me realize is that part of being open is creating an environment where we've got that respect and also recognizing when working with young people that we might need to help them recognize how to be respectful when questioning or pushing back on an assignment or questioning and pushing back on something that we are asking them to do. Does that make sense? I think this is a fascinating conversation because if we look at the landscape of what's happening around the world and how people respond to one another's different ideas, typically it's with anger or criticism or name calling. And I think being able to say, hey, it's okay. I I love this quote I used to use in one of my classes. I'm not okay. You're not okay. And that's okay. That we all have different things that are working and not working for us. We have perspectives that may be true, may not be true, but really to have that respect as we listen to one another and try to understand the other person's perspective is one of the greatest gifts I think we can give to our students in 2023. And I think being able to talk with your students upfront about that is really essential. So I'm so glad you brought that up. And of course, this brings us back to this idea of, of being open, you know, and, and Scott Barry Kaufman kind of like, you know, creates this really great metaphor in our discussion with him of, of how we're kind of like, you know, going out on a journey, embarking on a journey, and we don't necessarily know what port we're sailing to. Um, and I think that, again, it's it's very important that we we remain flexible to a certain extent that we can change or modify based on the feedback we're getting from our students and um, perhaps be open to the fact that that feedback might initially come come over as dissent, but we need to be open to the possibilities that it's not actually meant as dissent. It's, it's about, it's actually an opportunity for us to improve the learning experience and have a better understanding of our students' wants and needs. It doesn't necessarily mean we always have to respond exactly in the way they want us to respond. But to your point, Cindy, in today's world, isn't one of the most important things that we can do is, is just nurture the skills we need to have productive discussions. So I think it's now time to listen to our second clip from Patricia Alves Alivera. And Matt, I remember how excited we were to interview Patricia in particular because she was working on robotics for the household. So let's take a listen to her clip. So I, I'd say uh, just uh, triggering your inner child. So making it, making it be an important mindset for you to be playful, to be curious, to explore. Don't say no immediately. Say no as like maybe the second or third thing you have to say <laughs> when you interact with a child, just for a given a given time uh, and see what happens. How quickly do you say no, Matt? So actually, interestingly enough, I don't say no a lot. And uh, someone recently said that... Um, is that an English thing? Because they said that there's a few other English people that they know who don't say no. So I, I, 
I use other words, I think. So I use words such as, um, well, I think it's better if, uh, or I'll say, well, I'm suggesting you do this. And they really are strong suggestions, but I generally don't like saying no. And I've told my students multiple times that I don't like closing the door to anything because realistically with me, I'm changing my mind every five, 10 minutes anyway. So, you know, I've always got all the doors open and I'm interested in keeping as many doors open as I can. So interestingly enough, in this scenario, I I actually probably need to say no a little bit more than I do. And so I'm going to throw this back to you and say, how often do you say no? And is there a danger when we don't say no? It's interesting that you say that, Matt, because I have always used the phrase, the only thing I'm married to is my husband, that you could pretty much change my mind on anything, that I, I will stay open to it. And I once had a group of students who said to me, you know, maybe you need to judge a little bit more or or be more decisive or say no to us sometimes because I think as an educator being so open and really giving people opportunities to explore things sometimes it may be too much so the polarity goes in the other direction um and and it's funny in my household with my two teenage children I really try to stay open as they talk to me about things and not try to criticize or give them answers. I just try to really stay open by relaxing and listening and understanding. And it was funny. I was at the mall the other day with my daughter and we saw someone that was dressed in an outfit um, that was really outlandish. We'll just leave it at that. And my daughter looked at me and she said, mom, I can tell what you're thinking right now. And I said, what's that? She said, you're thinking, I'm really trying to stay open, but this one's a challenging one. (laughs) And it really was, you know, but you know, I really try to model that for my students and for my family that I'm an open-minded person and I'm willing to relax and listen and understand. But sometimes it it does take over. But I think I think in some ways that example is highlighting this action of being open. Is is that you're reflecting and monitoring your openness? Yeah. If if you listen to that story, you're constantly thinking about it. And so I think really this action perhaps is for those educators that do, you know, create environments that might be a little bit too rigid. I mean, I think we, we discussed this maybe in later tips about this idea of creativity lacks constraints, but environments that perhaps a little too rigid, you know, don't have a lot of flexibility, you know, where, where they do generate lots of questions, perhaps questions like dissent and you and you as an educator are pushing back and using the word no a lot. I think this might be one of those actions that that maybe you think about and reflect on a little bit. Mm, love it. So before we go, we want to remind our listeners engaged in our Listen and Learn summer series that we are raffling away various prizes, but we need you to do a few things to get those prizes. So first, you need to listen to the end of every episode where we will provide you with a single letter, and that single letter will help you identify a special code word. Now, once you have that code word, you simply need to email Cindy and I with the code word at questions at fuelingcreativitypodcast.com. That's questions at fuelingcreativitypodcast.com. And within that email, you need to provide us with a one or two sentence summary of how you plan to implement one of our 10 actions for creativity. And then you get to choose a prize so long as this email comes to us before the end of August, 2023. So we are ready to give you your special code letter. And this is the third letter in our 11 letter word. Matt, are you ready? Do you want to give them the letter? Yes. The letter is I for- As in 
Igloo. Yes, igloo. I was going to say igloo. Were you going to say igloo too? Yes. Um, Now you've got to give another word. Igloo. Innovative. Innovation. (laughs) Installation. Insight. Idea. Idea of, ooh, idea. I like that one. Mm. We'll finish it there. My name's Dr. Matthew Werwood. And my name is Dr. Cindy Burnett.